We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Before we begin the mailbag, Ryan, I do want to remind people that we'll be yep. going live. I have not talked to Ryan specifically if he's going to be able to be there or not, but uh, we'll definitely have Vince and I at the very least tomorrow. At, we'll go live at 6.30 Eastern is when we'll start our show. We'll do a little pregame of Notre Dame Stanford, and then we'll do a live show during the game, kind of like what we did last year for USC. So uh, just want to remind people of that. If you have the Pac-12 network some way, somehow, then obviously you'll be able to watch it with us. And if you don't have it, then we're going to do it a little bit differently. So we'll do more of a true kind of – it's not a play-by-play, but we'll, the, the, it'll be descriptive enough that you kind of know what's going on. So we'll try to, to be a little bit more detailed than we were uh, during the live show last year uh, during the game. So we'll, we'll have that. We will not – so make sure people are clear. We will not be showing the game. We do not have the rights to the game. We can't show the game. We can't bring it up and have people watch it. Uh, with us but we will at least be talking about the game and then so that also means our post game show will be shorter we won't have a separate post game show we'll probably do like a 30 minute wrap up of the game afterwards uh, where we talk about the game a little bit and uh, but we won't have a true post game show because all of our thoughts will be shared during the game we will also take an intermission at halftime so we'll have the IB music playing at halftime and then we'll come back for the second half and get that all rolling. So I just wanted to remind people of that. So 6.30 Eastern tomorrow, we will go live. Uh, Vince and I are going to do a dry run tonight while we're watching the Oregon-Oregon State game. It won't be live. We're just going to kind of be making sure it all works and kind of going over the format and stuff, but it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're looking forward to that as well. So just want to remind, remind folks of that before we get rocking and rolling in the mailbag that we'll be doing that. And if you're forgetful, you can also hit that notification bell again. So make sure that you know when a live show is coming. I mean, it's the easiest way to find out when we're doing a live show. So, yes, make sure to tune in tomorrow. I will be on at some point. I don't know about it for the whole game, but we will make it work. Absolutely. So, mailbag. Let's get to the questions. I know we had some super chats as well during this section as well. We had had our first super chat from Walk On Carry Off. Thank you so much. Do you believe they schemed to to Tobias Merriweather and Jerry and Jaden Greathouse's strengths last week? Can we see that again? If so, I think they schemed more to their strengths. Yes, 
Now, do I think that those plays were definitely designed to go right there? No, but I think they knew it was a good, like, I think it was more, it was the the play to great house. I think was even more so that's the route they thought was going to come open. But the way that the play is designed, we have that backside post with the over concept, right? It's a deep high low on that boundary side. If they stay down, you can bang that backside post if there's no help. So basically they they were a single high look. If that free yep. safety stays back and takes the post, then you do exactly what you did. You bang the over route. If the if he comes down, however, and the other safety comes down, because if they were in a true quarters, then they would have hit that post to Faison just like they did to Tobias earlier in the game. I think the throw yep. to Great House was more designed to hit the underneath route on that combo where the play designed to Tobias is is running away where you're expecting because you're doing that same side high low that whenever I've run it is more designed or called because you think you're going to bang that post route now they ran the same concept earlier and Stanford rolled to cover three and du- basically double covered Tobias's post route that's when they hit hit Holden Stace on the double when Notre Dame came, and this this was a good adjustment they ran that out of 12 personnel Ryan out of a two by two, we had both tight ends on the same side, which is going to be more of a, th- of a of a roll to single high. When you're in that reduced two by two look, you're gonna you're more likely to get the roll to single high. You're not going to play quarters as much against that look. It just doesn't make sense because you can keep the corner down and then bring the safety to the twin side, and now you've got your numbers, but you want to protect the middle of the field. So when they went back to it the second time, they were still in 12 personnel, but they were more of a balanced two-by-two where they were two tight ends attached and then two receivers outside. You enhance the odds that you get quarters out of that look against a quarters team. And so I liked the adjustment there with the play call. That I think their hope pre-snap was exactly what happened. If that safety robs, we're going to hit the bias over the top. But it's more of a true high-low read, whereas the other play – your anticipation is the the under route comes out the over route comes open so the post is a, more of a clear although you'll hit it if you get a one on one but you're calling it Ryan with anticipation that great house is the guy that comes over where the right. Tobias throw you're running it with the anticipation that Tobias comes open over the top so I do think in both instances that they thought the guy that caught the ball was going to be the guy that caught the ball but the throw to great house was more designed with a higher guarantee that Tobias is the one that gets that or gets Jaden's the one that gets that call. So I, that's one thing I liked about last week's game, Ryan, is I, I, the stuff with Rico, like Rico, I think three of his eight catches were RPOs, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're anticipating, you're running RPOs with a quick out. You're, if you're pulling the RPO, the ball's going to him. Like there were some of those where it's like, that's just where the ball's going. So uh, the, I believe the throw that, that Angeli threw to, to Rico, which was on the fumble, that looked like an RPO to me. You know, I have to go back and break it down, but I'm pretty sure that was an RPO as well. So there was a lot of stuff designed to get different guys the football. And that's I was glad to see that. It wasn't just one guy or two guys. There were plays that were was clearly great. Faison was the guy that I think they anticipated getting the touch. There was times when Rico was that the touchdown pass to Eli Raritan. You call that play with the anticipation of Eli Raritan being the guy that you're going to throw that ball to flat out. Now, what was nice about that play, Ryan, is he was open and Rico was open. So if Sam reads that play properly, either way, he's got two guys coming open for a touchdown. 
That's when sure. you know your scheme is is that's when you know your scheme and guys open. And that's not something we've seen a lot this year. You got multiple guys coming open on plays. Uh that's that's really where you want to be. So I, I was it was good to see that. Where they're, you know, and that's that's the tell to me that you're calling plays, Ryan, not just to call plays, but with when people says, What do you guys mean by intentionality and purpose? That's the stuff we're talking about. They saw this, they attacked it that way with the anticipation that they were going to get this or this with a chance for a big play either way. And that's what I really liked about last week's yeah. offensive game plan. And I don't I don't think it's limited to the bias of Jaden Greathouse. I mean, you mentioned it, but like Rico, Jaden, Jordan Faison, there was a lot of guys, Eli Raritan, you saw guys that were put into situations that are advantageous for their skill set. Get in Jordan Faison in space a little bit. Letting Rico be that short to intermediate separator, letting Jaden Greathouse be that big body in cuts over the middle of the field target, letting Tobias get uncovered deep, letting Eli Raritan run a deep corner to be able to use his straight line speed. I mean, you saw a lot of it yeah. to your question, right? Like you saw a whole lot of it. Do, would I like to see it move forward? Yes. That's why I'm yeah. more optimistic than I was this time last week. All right. Because I saw that growth. I saw an offensive play caller and an offense in general that was like, hey, we've been asking some guys to do things that they're not 100% comfortable with from a skill set perspective. Last week, I saw it, and I was excited about it. So, yes, I, I hope that it continues. They were trying to get Chris Tyree the ball early, and yeah. it was very clear that Wake Forest was like, when number fours running around, we're all over them. And Notre sure. Dame saw that early, and that's why Tyree, after the first quarter, didn't get a lot of targets because they could tell that Wake was focused on number four. And that's partly why they they did some of the things they did is to say, hey, look, we're going to do it this way because they're going to key this guy and we can get another guy open. So it was very clear that that early on they did some things to get Tyree the ball, but it was also very obvious that, hey, they're keyed on, on Tyree. we got some other stuff we can do, and that's something else that I that I like to, I like to see too, Ryan, is, is not being stubborn – that a guy you wanted to get the ball early to, they're they're doing a lot to take him away. You don't need to force feed that. If they're doing stuff to take him away, that means you've got some other stuff that can open up, and that's exactly what they did. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We had another super chat from Zach32. Zach, thank you so much for super chat. What does Marcus Freeman need to do to reach consistency? Did the combination of a young head coach plus inexperience at offense coordinator and wide receiver coach hold this team back? Yeah, I think that's fair. I think it's fair. I I think there's a little bit more to it than what's that? I said in a lot of instances it can. Yeah, sure. Yep. I, I certainly think Chancey Stuckey's lack of experience is, is – look, I have no doubt that Chancey Stuckey knows a lot about wide receiver play. No doubt. But the risk you always run with a young coach is, yeah, he's smart, but does he know how to teach? Does he know how to connect with young people? And I just think that's something that Chancey Stuckey struggled with. I mean, we heard stories about that last year with with Jay, with uh, Lorenzo Styles and, and Deion Colsey. And it, Lorenzo had his own issues right which led to problems but like it was a just it was a bad mixture of a coach that didn't know how to relate to him doesn't know how to talk to people you can't talk to college kids like they're NFL players you just can't and you've got to be willing to they they got to know that you care and try they'll they'll why does Harry he stand it's so beloved that's the cussingest mf and his dude you'll ever meet but his kids love him why because they know he cares and the, and he's a teacher and they can hear past the MFs and the, the swear words because he's always teaching and kids will respect that. But it's like, if you're just brushing me aside and, and, and not even teaching me, you, you may not cuss at all, but I'm not going to respect you. And, and that's that, that combined with a young OC or inexperienced OC who's still young and a young head coach and a young head coach that to me is way too involved in the minutia of the offense than he should be. And and I'm very curious to hear if that's something that may be changed in the in the game in the bye week leading up to wake. There's two things that I'm gonna try to find out from my sources this offseason. Number one, did you allow Jared Parker to be more of the everything runs through me guy on a, as the OC as opposed to everyone's got their 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 fiefdoms, so to speak, which is yeah. partly why I think you had so much. There was no rhyme or reason to it because this guy's in charge of third down. This guy's in charge of red zone. This guy's in charge of the of the run game. And then your job is to put it all together. Where how it should be, in my opinion, is those guys have input. They, if you're in charge of third down, that means you're in charge of the scouting on third down. What do they do? And then we'll work together on what we like. But I'm gonna at the end of the day be the primary decision maker. Did we see that in the bye week, or is it just a coincidence? Because it looked much more like a that was all flowing through one avenue. That's something I'm going to find out. Uh, but I think that's that's really a lot of where this comes from for me, Ryan. It's just, sure. you know, Coach Freeman has a way he wants things done, and I'm hoping that now through his first two years that he realizes that it just you just can't win big this way. You've sure. got to be willing to be more aggressive. You've got to if you're going to hire someone to do a job, you got to let them do the job. And well, I- yeah. I think to that first question, it's it's about learning from mistakes, right, Zach? Like, how does anybody learn, right? How does anybody grow? It's typically 
there's rarely ever people that just like they hear something for the first time and they never make that mistake, right? Like some people need to touch the stove, right? You need to touch the stove before you learn that it's hot. You just some people are like that. And I think that like the away game stuff that we've been talking about the last few weeks, is that because Marcus Freeman's a young and inexperienced head coach? Probably, partly, I would think so. I mean, yeah, I mean, it's for, I mean, he's never had the, you know, he's been a part of obviously the preparation stuff of like travel and stuff, but like he's never had to be the guy that handles the travel and this is the schedule and this is what we're going to work through and this is what we're going to do. So I think that's been part of it. I think that Jared Parker is a first time offensive coordinator at Notre Dame. So that is definitely a situation where he's learning on the job in a lot of instances, you know, who had struggles in their first year. And I know it's not that it's not a perfect comparison, but Al Golden had struggles in his first year defensively a little bit as well, where it was like, wasn't bad. Wasn't great though either, and it needs to be better. But then we saw year two, it got a lot better, right? So I think good coaches are always going to take those those opportunities to grow, the self-evaluation aspects of it. That's what separates yeah. good from great coaches, great coaches from elite coaches. That's the separation right there. And cool. I think that you have a chance to do it. It's just about being self-aware that things need to change, first and foremost. We, we've seen this with experienced coaches in the past too, Ryan. I, I've told people, you, as much as I loved what Todd Munkin did, it didn't pay off in year one. It didn't pay off at all in year one. They were very mediocre on offense in year one in 2020. Now, there were it's not a, it's not a perfect comparison because part of the problem with Todd Munkin's first year is you had COVID. So they missed a lot of preparation time. But you know, that, that offense in 2020 was very – pretty much the same as what it had always been, it, you know, really. And it wasn't until year two, year three, that they really started to kind of take off and go from a 30 to 32 point per game team to a 39 to 41 point per game team. And and we saw it with Jim Knowles last year, who's an experienced coordinator. Year one at Ohio State, not that good. And Ohio State fans were like, you know, maybe this guy's overrated. And, you know, it's like, no, just give it time. Right. And you come out in year one, they went from giving up 21 points a game in year one to this year, they're giving up 9.3 points per game this season. Right. They haven't given up more than 17 points in a game all season. And, uh, you know, so that's impressive. It's really impressive. So it's sometimes it could take time. And, and I don't think Jared Parker always did a good job this year. I mean, it's okay to say that. It's sure. just, I also think we can make the mistake of focusing so much on the downs that we ignore that there was positives to take out of it as well, but can he build on those positives? And that's why this game is so important because if Notre Dame comes out offensively and just lays an egg in this game, then to me, this whole season is the same thing. It was just up and down. Some weeks it looks great. Yeah. The next week you lay an egg and it doesn't give me a lot of optimism. And if they go out and look great in a bowl game, whatever. Uh, so what you had a month to prepare. It doesn't move the needle for me. Whereas if they can come out and rip up Stanford, not because they're just better, but because the game plan is good. And Brian, you broke Ryan, you broke it down earlier. It was there were things that you and I can point to as football coaches and say, hey, look, there was some stuff here that loved that if boy, if the, a buddy of mine who's not a big Parker guy, he's just not. He didn't like the hire to begin with. And he's he's been back and forth on whether he likes him or not. But one thing he said. He's like, if we would have seen this offense all year, at worst, they're 10 and one. And I agreed with them. 
So we need yeah. to see that strung together for multiple games and not just that you're better than them and you scored a bunch of points. As I said last week, and Ryan, you and I are on the same page, I'm saying again this week, it's not just that they win 52-9. to nine. They could win 52-9, to nine and I'm like, yeah, whatever, Stanford sucks, and you just got better players. And I'm not <laughs> fired up about, you know, did you make some of the changes you need to make? There's a scenario in which it's 35-3, to three, and I do feel great about it because you see the, the structural stuff starting to change that makes you feel good about it. So it's not the yards and those points. It's the how you get those. It's what we always say, process over, over, um, you know, the results, right? To, to championship teams, the results are what they are, but it's the process that's the focus, right? And yeah. eventually, you know, the, 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 the results become more consistent and, and important in, in big games. So to me, yeah. And that's why I'm like, look, I'm not ready to write off Jared Parker. I'm not. Because I did see some things this year that I like. I have heard some things behind the scenes that makes me say, boy, if if you can get this figured out, get that figured out, you got a chance. Just like last year. You and I were very critical of Al Golden last year. But we then had to turn into defenders of him because people took the, the criticisms to such extremes. It's like now we're just now we're now what are we talking about? Right. Like now I have to defend a guy that I otherwise don't want to defend because you're jumping off a cliff talking about firing him and I'll never support him again. Like guys, right. Let's be, let's be adults here. Right. Let's say this isn't good enough right here. Not good enough. Gotta be better. But this was really good. Now you've earned a year two, but what are you going to do in year two? And right. then if the changes don't make in year two, then you can say, Hey, look, we, we got to make a change. But you know, new O-line coach. There's a lot of things going on. I think a lot of it just it, it came together, and and it shouldn't have. It's not an excuse. It's not saying, gee, we should have taken this into account in Notre Dame. You know, in our no, forget all that. That's what good teams do, right? You make the I mean, look at Alabama. They re- replaced both their coordinators, and they're playing for the SEC championship again, right? Because they got better throughout the year. They got right. better throughout the exactly. year, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, and, and Notre Dame was kind of a little bit too much of this. So, um, yeah, but but they had an experienced head coach who knew how to bring a team together. Coach Freeman is learning that. And next year, right. he's going to be a lot less experienced. Jared Parker is going to be a lot less experienced. And uh, hopefully it pays off and, and, and they're better next year. I, I can't promise you that it's going to be that way. But I've, I've seen enough so far that if these last two games go the way I hope they go, then I'm going to feel a lot better about this offense going into the offseason. But if they don't, uh, it's going to be hard to justify excitement about this team next year. It will. As far as championship excitement about this team, it, it will. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. But we got to see. That's why That's why I keep talking. People, oh, Stanford sucks. Guys, we know that. We've said that a million times. It's not about Stanford, Ryan. It's about yeah. Notre Dame and about them finishing in a way where they show that, hey, we're willing to make these adjustments. We're willing to self-scout. And we're willing to do what we need to do to go out there and win. Because I, I feel like this Clemson game, to me, is going to serve as one of those aha moments for Marcus Freeman. And what I mean by that is this. He's a defensive guy that looked at Clemson. And when you and I talked about Clemson, Ryan, what did we say? This is not a very good offensive football team. And yeah. and but they're a very good defensive football team. And I think Marcus Freeman thought with all their injuries, they were going to go into this game, Clemson's injuries, they're going to go into this game, shut them down, control the clock, don't give Stanford, don't give Clemson any cheap points, which they did, 
and be yep. conservative and just win the game. Well, when those cheap points happened, pick six, fumbled punts and all that, now all of a sudden Notre Dame needed to, to have a mindset change. You can't do that when your whole week was on preparation on being conservative and not giving a big plays. You can't just mindset change. He's got to understand, a lot like USC, go into the game with the intent of being aggressive, and then mm-hmm. if the game plays out in a certain way where you jump on a team, then you can say, hey, guys, like I, I, I've, was I know this to be true the game plan that we saw the the play calling we saw against USC was not really what they practiced all week for the most part they were going to come out against USC very aggressive but the way the game played out with all the short fields it's and they jumped out to that big lead early it was like look don't do anything to give them cheap points because our defense is killing them but the two times Notre Dame needed drives, they needed to score, Ryan. What did they do pretty early in both those drives? Went downfield. That's yep. what they worked on all week. So it was easier to say, hey, boy, we're jumped on them. Let's pull it in a little bit, not make mistakes, than it is to practice mm-hmm. that way all week. And then if it doesn't pan out, you're like, well, now we got to open it up. But you Change. didn't practice to be opened yeah. up, right? Yep. And I think yep. that was a bit of an aha moment for Coach Freeman, that be aggressive, be willing to have a plan of attack, and then if the game plays out in a way where you just jump all over team and then you need to scale it back, then you can scale it back. And I'm right. hoping that that continues. If it does, then that's where I start feeling like, okay, that's a, a corner that you turn. But where did it come from, Ryan? Through failure. You right. came through failure and learning from failure. And one thing we can say about Marcus Freeman, he has shown when he gets embarrassed, he will look in the mirror and make changes. He will. He's done that plenty of times. And that's what learning as a coach is. I mean, Ryan, what was Brian? Brian Kelly was turned into a phenomenal coach at Grand Valley State. I mean, won back-to-back national titles. And if we're being honest, if uh, Kurt Ains doesn't get hurt, um, I mean, he wins three, in my opinion. Because mm-hmm. if you you could – I've heard people make the argument, and statistically it's hard to argue against it, Ryan, that the team that lost the first year was his best team. But Ains got hurt, I think, first round of the playoffs, and then they ended up losing. But he went his last three years at Grand Valley State, they went, let's see, 38, 41 and two. 41 and two. So his first, let's see, 10 years, nine and three, eight and three, six, three and two, eight and four, eight and three, eight and three, nine and two, nine and three, five and five, seven and four. It took him a while to figure it out. Central Michigan, yep. four and seven, six and five, ten and four, right? Cincinnati was a little different because he inherited a better situation. Mark D'Antonio left him a pretty good roster that he could kind of mm-hmm. run with. But it, it takes time when you're a first time coach to to you got to learn from those failures, and that's what Coach Freeman did. Now, can he find the answers moving forward? Find that out. I don't know the answer to that, but I'm 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 optimistic if they can come out in this game. And show us growth, Ryan. And that's why you and I have been so adamant about that growth. It's just, if you can show it to me, I, I want to be excited. Give me a reason to be. And that's yep. what they need to do this game. And it's it's not about Stanford. It's about Notre Dame. Agreed. It's a good question. Very good yep. question. All right, let's 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 rock and roll through some of these, Ryan. Iden Benami. Actually, let me read this yep. one because this is more for you because you're the one that did it. But Iden says, hey – not a question, but the, but that Ivan Taylor interview was great. Would be a great addition. Yes, Ryan. By the way, that was a tremendous interview. That is a uh, thank you. 
That is a very, very uh, unique young man. And yeah. you could tell that the relationship you guys established, you knew exactly what you wanted people to see about him with yeah. those questions. And that was good. He's a great kid, man. Great kid. Yeah. Now, I mean, I mean, if you haven't seen it, the interview guys, like I did the recruiting hour show, um, pre-recorded everything, but talked a little bit about the secondary recruiting in 2025, a little bit of just kind of recruiting updates, you know, talking about things that you need to know from the Cree Thomas commitment earlier in the week to Nandiak Boko now being off the board for Notre Dame and everything in between. And we, me and Sean actually pre-recorded an interview a couple weeks ago with Daniel Anderson, who's the running back out of Arkansas. And then I did a solo interview literally the day before Thanksgiving. Ivan was like, yeah, I can do it. I'm like, dope, man. Let's All come right. on. Like, Let's do it. He even had the – he was on the road, I think, just worked out, and he had to duck into a restaurant to get good Wi-Fi and everything, man. It was dope. Really good kid. Really good kid. Hulk Strong is thoughts on Audric Estime getting snubbed. Man, we talked about this a ton, yeah. Hulk Strong is. I mean, look. I, Brian, I think you said it perfectly earlier. Was Audrey going to win the Doak Walker this year? No. Should he have maybe been a finalist? Possibly. Should he have been a semifinalist? Yes. <laughs> like all those no things brainer. are true, right? Like yeah. it's just, he, he was one of the top five to 10 running backs in college football this year. He should have been treated as yeah. such. He was not, unfortunately for him. And I think that Audric, being the person that we kind of know who he is, I think that he's going to come out with a little bit of fire this yeah. week where he's gonna be a little pissed off so You're like man I'm i feel bad for him St- troy taylor's like what did we do to deserve this like what why do you guys gotta you know piss this it's like that tyler from spartanburg seriously dude you couldn't have done this a week from like you couldn't wait till after the notre dame game to piss Dabo off like really you couldn't have waited one more week to do that. Come on, you dude. want a Notre Dame? You want a Notre Dame to be really happy about themselves? That's right. Yes, this game if you're Stanford. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> Coleman Smith Ryan is the Carter Nelson recruitment over for Notre Dame. Nebraska possibly finishing five and seven can't look good. I mean, Coleman, they haven't been good all year though, right? And it, obviously, the flip never happens. I mean, at this point, I think it was like two, three weeks ago. I put an update on the board, and I mean, simply. Put, I, I was told to by board, yeah, it was boards at irishbreakdown.com. We got the word directly from his father, who's a great guy, by the way. That you know, Carter just kind of shut everything down, he's kind of reaffirmed his commitment to Nebraska. So, barring some change of hearts last minute here, I, I don't anticipate him being in the class for Notre Dame. No, I expect him to be in Nebraska Cornhusker. Yep, and look, I know Nebraska sucks, but that's also kind of part of the appeal for him is, I mean, guys, if you're watching Notre Dame play, you're like, it doesn't matter who they put in a tight end. They're really good and they're really young, you know? And 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 this isn't about, is Carter Nelson afraid of competition? It's not even about that. I don't know if he is or isn't. I, 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 don't, I don't think he would have looked at Notre Dame as hard if he was afraid of competition, but it's more about, you got to kind of make a business decision. And yes, can I go to Notre Dame and battle with Holden Stace and Eli Raritan and Cooper Flanagan and Jack Larson and they're James Flanagan and whoever else they get after me, or do I go to Nebraska and be the guy, you know, like that, that that's go to my home state and be the guy. And I think at the end of the day, just kid just didn't want to go far away from home. And, 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 and look, Matt rules track record is going to make you more easily willing to accept a five and seven season. Sure. Because here's the deal, oh, Ryan. We'll get it better. He'll get it better. Yes. I mean, Matt, no doubt. And they've been a competitive five and seven. I mean, we'll find out. I mean, it's 10 to 10 right now against Iowa. But, I mean, how they look this year is way better than how Baylor looked in his first year. Baylor. Oh, one and 11. Oh, uh, Baylor's his first year. They're off. And yeah. two years later, they're playing in the Sugar Bowl against Georgia. 
two years later and were competitive and lost the Big Ten. That year, they lost to Oklahoma twice by a combined Dang. 10 points. They lost to three points in the regular season and then lost an overtime by a touchdown to them and then lost to Georgia 26-14 to in a game that was you know, competitive-ish, right? So you look at that and you're like, hey, guys, Matt Rule's going to win here. It's just, he's not Scott Frost. He's going to win here. And he set up that Baylor team nicely for Dave Aranda yeah. taking over, right? It was a little bit of a rough transition coming in, like COVID year and everything. But then after that, it was like rolling there for a year, right? Yeah. Like you had a nice team, and that team was built by Matt Rule. Like that was a right. senior laden football team. The um, Bernard, the run, Terrell Bernard at running back, and and all the guys that they had defensively that year. I mean, that team was built by Matt Rule. So yeah, I think it'll be a better. Ultimately, I think the biggest the biggest thing here, Coleman was. Carter Nelson has a couple friends that are also in the 2024 recruiting class going to Nebraska, right? He's a small town, Nebraska kid. He's going to go to the home state team and hopefully turn it around. So that's, right. the, that's, that's the mission for him. And Hey, I respect and, it, man. I respect the, it. Nebraska is one of those States, Ryan, where the pool to stay in state is really heavy, like really heavy. That's what I would say about Nebraska fans in general. Nebraska actually has really good fans, man. They are they're diehards, man. They'll always show up. Yeah. They're always going to show up because they have, hey, Nebraska has a really nice history of football, right? Like let's not yeah. pretend like they've just been bums their entire entire you yeah. know history, right? Like they they've had some really good football teams in the past. So And I think they just got jobbed on a holding penalty on an interception with 30 uh, seconds left. I think they got a little screwed on that one. Or actually it was uh, or they calling it post interception. Let me see here. I'm trying to see if they called the hold post intercept. Like they, I can't, I'm not listening to it. So they called a hold and then they, the hold was on Nebraska and then they Mm -hmm. showed the routes. So it looks like they actually called a hold after the interception was made, which backs them up. So they just took over with 30 seconds left at their own 45 yard line, but they had ran it down to like the 30. The interception Mm -hmm. got ran down to like the 30. So Chubba Purdy's running out of bounds. All right. Um, but yeah, Chubba so we'll, Birdie, we'll, we'll wow. Birdie's that. on that team. Yeah, he's their starting quarterback now. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ugh. Coleman Smith, Brian, with Cam Hart leaving, will we finally see Ryan Barnes next year? Love this film coming out. If corner doesn't work out, should they move him to safety? I, I, I would have been, I wouldn't have been opposed to moving him to safety, safety before. But there's some other things going on with Ryan Barnes that have kind of prevented him from being in a position where you kind of felt. Like you could trust he was going to be able to be there every day, but no, I don't think he's going to step in. I mean, look, will Ryan Barnes get a chance to compete for the starting job if he's here next year? Absolutely. Uh, he's a talented kid. I know that Notre Dame likes him a lot, but I just don't. And, and I liked him a lot, but I just don't think he's as good as Christian Gray. I don't. And I think that's ultimately who's going to, who's going to be that guy to replace Cam Hart next year is going to be Christian Gray. Coleman Smith says, what positions would we possibly see the most departures from the portal? That's a good question. I, I think I think we'll see at least one, maybe two, at receiver. I I think we could maybe see a young guy or two on, on the offensive line. Maybe that's just a guess. I don't have I don't have information on that. Who else? I don't I don't know that there's a lot of other positions where we may see that. Like maybe if you know you'd mention like a Ryan Barnes if if he gets beat out by younger players maybe he looks and says hey I'd like to finish my career somewhere else once he gets his Notre Dame degree maybe that's just a pure guess but I, I don't know that there's going to be a ton of departures that we expect to see 
So if if we see a lot of departures, I think they'll be a little bit more unexpected. DK asks, mayonnaise or Miracle Whip on your turkey sandwich? My answer to that is none of the above. Uh, that's my answer to that. Chubby Purdy just threw a terrible interception. Oh, my gosh. He just threw it to a very stiff linebacker. I just, man, they suck. Coleman Smith says, "I've on, honestly, I've watched Stanford four times a season. Would y'all take Ashton Daniels if he entered the portal? I feel he's underrated because of how bad Stanford is. I would not. No. He's a nice player. I'm, I'm not as high on him as some other people I know. I have a friend of mine who's very high on Ashton Daniels. I see a kid that has some physical talent. He's a decent. He's a pretty decent athlete. He's got a, a pretty decently live arm. I just don't think he's like a super talented like as far as like the quarterback stuff. He's a nice player. I just I I don't see how that moves the needle at all. I, I think if you were to bring him in, you know, he would not want to come in as a backup. He'd want to come in and compete. And I'm just not having a kid like that take take snaps away from my uh, from my 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 guys. I'm just not so. Yeah. He would not be a guy that I would look at. Hey, look, I'm I'm taking either a one year guy that's a veteran that's either going to be a dude or a backup, or I'm not taking anybody. Like even Dante Moore, I've heard people, but what about Dante Moore? I'm like, look, Dante Moore had his chance. And yeah. I think Dante Moore is very talented. And yeah, he had some freshman struggles this year, which is somewhat to be expected. He made that's a pretty big leap from where he was playing ball to UCLA. But he also had some moments where you're like, yep, that's why he was the top quarterback in the class last year. You know, so he's going to be just fine in college. But as far as Notre Dame, Dante had his chance, and and CJ was loyal to Notre Dame, and Dante wasn't. And so, and Kenny was, you know, Kenny ultimately was. So I want to see those guys get developed, not Arch Manning or Malik Murphy or Ashton Daniels or something like that. If you want to go out and get a veteran, and I'm I'm trying to even think of like, okay, Drake May wants to go in the portal instead of the NFL. Okay, cool. If Riley Leonard wants to go in the portal, I have some reservations about his injuries, but he's a tra- talented guy. You know, I'm trying to think of of who some other guys might even be. If Caleb Williams wants to jump on the portal, so like go in the NFL. Okay, fine. I look at those kind of guys, right. but I'm not looking at Malik Murphy. I'm not looking at Arch Manning. I'm not looking at Dante Moore. I'm not looking at Ashton Daniels because those guys want to compete. They don't want to be backups. And if right. you're going to get a guy like that, it's like, hey, man, you're coming here to provide depth, and right. we're going to let the guys that, that chose to be here battle it out. If you're going to get a yep. quarterback that's going to come in and play – it's got to be a, a one-year guy, and that's sure. why we we kind of mentioned those names. And I, I don't even know who all those guys would be because some of the guys that I liked a couple years ago, Ryan, I wouldn't take now. Like yeah. Tyler Van Dyke, I loved what he did two years ago, but he has been a very well, mediocre quarterback yeah. the last two years. I'm not touching him with a 10-foot pole. Yeah. Uh, you know, just Hudson Card, who, who's a guy that I liked, I would have taken Hudson Card last year. If he jumps in the portal now, mm, you know, yeah, it's, and, and he's actually had a good year at Purdue. It's not that he's not good. It's just more about like – that's not the need now because you do have right. Kenny, you will have CJ, you do have all those guys. And, and so it's just about your circumstances have changed also. Yep. It's not just about the other. And that's why I would take the guys that I would take. Ashton Daniels doesn't give me anything that I already have on the roster. Right. I right. think that's the biggest thing. Yeah. I mean, I and he's not he's as natural player. of a passer as those other guys either, Ryan. He's no, not, he, he, he's still a developmental kid. And I think he's in the perfect situation. Grow with an offensive head coach as a, a team that's going to keep stockpiling and getting more talent on the field over the next couple of years. And you'd be in a good situation again. Like he's going to have Alec A.O. Manor coming back next year. He's going to have Tiger Bachmeyer coming back next year. He's going to have Sam Roush. He's going to have some guys, you know, so build up that offensive line, keep getting weapons in the room and 
get rolling with Troy Taylor, right? So I, I think he's in an okay situation. He doesn't need yeah. to jump in the portal for any Agreed. reason right now. Agree. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. This episode of the Irish Breakdown podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Do you ever feel like your brain is getting in its own way? Like you're laying in bed at night with your mind racing a thousand miles per hour and you just can't sleep? Like when you know what you should do, what's good for you, but you just can't do it. Therapy helps you figure out what's holding you back so you can work for yourself instead of against yourself. And if you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. When you get there, just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So find your bright spot this season with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Irish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Irish. We had Joe Allen with the question, how soon do you think that players will announce their departure to the NFL and to the portal? Well, you, portal stuff will happen within a week after the like the championship games and some actually even beforehand. I th- when does the yeah. portal open up? It's like December 1st or December 4th or something like that. Like Something like that, yeah. First week yeah, of December, but, you'll see some well, guys jumping pretty early. Yeah, I mean, we're already seeing some kids that are announcing that are like graduates, yeah. right? So, like, they don't matter as much as, like, uh, saying the portal stuff. As far yes, because graduates can pretty much stuff. just jump in whenever. Whenever they want. Yeah, that's that's why we're seeing because like we're seeing like a lot of Ivy League kids right now, a lot of FCS kids, a lot of Will Rogers. Yeah, Will Will Rogers season's over now, right? So like a lot of kids that seasons are over because like the Ivy League doesn't play in like the FCS playoffs or whatever, right? right? So like they're announcing a ton. You saw Will Rogers with his season being over now for Mississippi State. So yeah, as seasons kind of get over, they can announce whenever, but they can't officially enter obviously until that portal window. Opens. Right. So. With it, Will Rogers is an interesting one, Ryan, because I, I agree with you and you and I are on the yeah. same page about his talent. But yeah. if I'm an air raid team and I'm looking for oh, a yeah. one year, lo- I mean, he's going to put up you know, big numbers. If you, you, get you know who right said ball. this, I don't know if he would like transfer down, but like, him going to Western Kentucky would make a lot of yes. sense, right? Like that yes. would make a lot oh, of sense. He put up huge sense. numbers in that offense. Absolutely. If Cameron Ward left Washington State, he would make a lot of sense going out yes. to Washington State and playing yeah. out there. SMU, like, sure. SMU, yeah. something like that. Yes, like some one of those teams where they're an air raid team. Yes, I would be all over Will Rogers if I needed a one year game though. Absolutely no not. way. Absolutely no not. Way. No, okay. no way. No, no. Let me let me check that though. I would look at Will Rogers if he was like, listen, I'm not, 
I'm I'm not a starter. I'm going right. to come in. I'm going to be I'm going to be that veteran. I'm going to be that mentor type of guy, sure. like like Tristan sure. Gebbia was for Ohio State. Like that'd be the only way I'd look at him. Is he was like, guys, Mike, I'm not an NFL quarterback. I want to get a degree. I want to get a master's from Notre Dame. Right. Yeah. I want to be a leader. I want to be a mentor. And if I got to come get you out of a game, I can get you out of a game. Like that would be the only way I would look at Will Rogers because I, I think he's a tough kid. I think he's been through a lot. I think he could he could be a great mentor for the, the kids they have. But if you're talking about a guy that's going to come in and compete for starting job, right. right? He he could get you out of a game if push comes to shove, Ryan. Right? Like that's the thing. But as far yeah. as a guy that's going to come in and battle for the starting job, no, absolutely not. No, absolutely. no, no. no. And, I, and I doubt that's his mindset after starting for four years and putting up a right. lot of numbers, right? right. And and so I doubt that right. he's like, yeah, I'm going to go and be a grad transfer exactly. and hold a clipboard. Like exactly, no, that's not his mindset. exactly. <laughs> Will Rogers. David Jones with the question. With Stanford being such a bad play action defense, is there a certain personnel that can be best to best to exploit that? 11 personnel, 12 personnel, 21, 13? Yes. I mean, the all answers, of yes. No, I, I agree. I mean, I, I like David, I think we have your focus on personnel groupings, but like if you understand your skill sets in any personnel grouping, you can create play action matchups, right? Because who cares if it's Eli Raritan off a of play action or Rico Flores or Jaden Greathouse, whoever, if you're using them in the right capacity. So, right. It, you know, we're joking with saying like, yes, but like also, yes, the answer is yes. It's not right. no. Well, I, I mean, I, I broke this down last week, Ryan. If you look at the the play action passes that Notre Dame ran against, against, um, let me pull it up here. If you look at the play action passes that Notre Dame ran against Wake, they ran their two bootlegs out of 12 personnel. But yep. then when you look at their four pure play action passes, two were out of 11 personnel. One was out of 13 personnel, and the other was out of 21 personnel. Your 48-yard touchdown pass to Jaden Greathouse was out of 11 personnel. He was the slot to the field. You had Faison, Greathouse, and then Tobias was to the field outside, and you were like kind of in a wing align with your fullback and it was a really heavy run action you know with the tight end faking like he's going backside that was 11 personnel that's where you know and then the touchdown pass to eli raritan was 13 personnel right like beautiful play action and and great play design too first and 10 13 personnel you are like 97 percent run in this look (laughs) right and and so it's really about knowing your own tendencies anticipating what you think you're going to get and then manipulating them with your personnel that way. So they can use all those, the, the play action or the, the drop back pass to Tobias Merriweather for the touchdown was out of 12 personnel, right? First, second and 18, 12 personnel, kind of a runish type of situation. Notre Dame gets conservative. They're just going to run in second and long and, and try to get in field goal range, but they didn't. They 12 personnel, but took a deep shot. How often does Notre Dame line up in 12 personnel to take a deep shot? hasn't been very often. And that's the whole point is you you don't want to have those tendencies. And so you need yeah. to be able to run play action out of all of it. I, if I were to say anything, I, I, as far as specific to Stanford, 11 personnel has got to be a big part of it because if you can spread them out, you're going to get more ISOs. Sure. And then the other one is, is I actually really like some of the 12 personnel stuff that you can do against them as well. 21 and 13 would probably rank, you know, in the my next group, but I want, I want to see all of it. I want to see all of it. Like I would, uh, you know, would I run a 13 personnel throwback, you know, bootleg throwback pass? Probably not because you don't have enough downfield to occupy all the eyes. But would I do sure. a 12 or an 11 personnel out of that with certain looks? Heck yes, man. There's plenty of things that you can do in those type of situations. No doubt. 
Big shout out, man. 10 and 2 Iowa Hawkeyes. They just keep doing it, man. They just keep doing it. How Phil I and I had somebody try to tell me the other day that Phil Parker's overrated. <laughs> I had I had a friend who I he's a good friend too that tried convincing me that Kirk Ferentz isn't actually a good coach. And I'm like, guys, <laughs> what, what now what? <laughs> has he made a poor decision with his son? Yes, he has. But you know what they're still doing with his son as the OC, as bad as he is, playing for the Big Ten Championship. Not Big Ten still West winning, sucks. Man. Yeah, I know, and it, they dominate that sucky Big Ten West. Yeah, they're ten and two. You know, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. You don't win as many games as that man has, and been as consistent over his right. long career if he's a bad coach, right? That's so, uh, Bryce Simone with a question: Why does Notre Dame refuse to run tempo offense? They are successful when they do it in two minute situations, and all of the top college football teams do it. Well, number one, I don't think you can just look at two-minute drill and say, hey, it worked in two-minute because most teams are playing different defenses in two-minute drills as well. So it's like, man, when you – when you like, perfect example, okay? Remember the 06 UCLA game when UCLA with those two edges was like Bruce Davis and oh, I forget yeah. who the other edge was, but they were just killing Notre Dame all game. Yeah, Notre Dame goes in the last two minutes of the game on that last drive, and guess what UCLA did? They changed their defense. Dwayne Walker changed the defense. And that's when all of a sudden Brady Quinn puts a drive together. Teams run different stuff. Now, I think that's silly. I think that's why Florida lost to Missouri. You've been, you know, rush the quarterback. Don't give them time to get those throws off. So I think I always say prevent defense just prevents you from winning football games. We see it all the freaking time. But you, so you're getting different defenses. So you can't just say it's great in two minutes. So it's be great there. Um, I think there's some merit to. You know, hey, look, it, it helps get Sam Hartman comfortable, and I and I do think that there, I'd like to see some times where they that they they mix up the tempo. But I, I've, I'm not a tempo guy personally, Ryan. I'm, I'm just not. That's not my cup of tea. You can win that way. Teams do. I just think that for Notre Dame and its personnel, they're not going to be a tempo team. I think they need to mix up the pace. That's more along the lines of what I like to see. And I think the guy that 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 if I was Jared Parker a guy that I would spend some time talking to just about how they mix up tempo is Andy Ludwig. I would literally, cause I would literally make that call. Like Andy, let's, let's meet this weekend. And I want to sit down and just go over just how you guys practice and how you guys mix up your tempo. Why, what goes into it? Cause I think that's something that Utah's always done a great job of Ryan is really mixing up yeah. their pace. They don't, they're not a tempo team, but there are certainly drives and, and, and moments within drives where they're going to say, Hey, we're going to try to do this to kind of catch them off guard and keep them keep them on their toes. And that's more along the lines of who Notre Dame needs to be than like, hey, just come out and go a million miles an hour in a game. That's just not who Notre Dame is. And and I'm okay with that. It can work if that's your if that's your cup of tea. And I don't, but I don't think it's something you need to do either uh, in order to win. I mean, Michigan doesn't go tempo hardly ever, and they've had a pretty good offense the last couple of years. You know, and and their traditional mix up twelve personnel, move motion guys around and run it down your throat type of offense. Be explosive and efficient. That's Notre Dame's biggest problem, not tempo. But you should have the ability to mix up, change up your pace. That absolutely is something yeah. Notre Dame needs in their offense. It's just not. It's just not necessarily tempo per se, or going two minute drill in the middle of the first quarter, middle of the third quarter. It's the pace mixing up, changing the pace, whether it's just for two plays or whether it's for a full series, whatever the case may be, that is something I'd like to see Notre Dame do more of next year. And then hopefully as Jared Parker gets, you know, deeper into this and, you know, and they've laid a foundation that we'll see more of that in the future is my hope, no yeah. doubt. 
Well, I'm, I'm a big believer in mixing up pace to continue momentum. We talked about that a ton. Like, fresh off a turnover, fresh off a big play, I'm going to move the offense a little bit faster. Like, let's get up to the yeah. line. Let's work Let's work the, the pace right. a little bit more. But then when there's a situation where I need to rein it back a little bit, I'm good with that too at times. You know what I mean? I just – I don't like offenses that are one speed all the time. I don't right. like that, that. Even if it's fast, right, Ryan? Right. I mean – yeah. Well, yeah. For me, for a defensive mind, like I'm preparing all week to play against a certain pace and a certain tempo, right? And when you switch that up, that gets me out of sorts, right? right? Like use use what defenses don't like against them, man. Like I don't like my eyes being messed with, and I don't like changing tempos because right. then if because it changes your pass, communication, it cha- completely changes your. If you're a normal offense, it just kind of goes at a normal pace. You line up in the huddle. And you're, you're, hey, we're going to get calls. We can look to the sideline. But if they just come out randomly, like every third or fourth series, you don't know when, and they just go way miles an hour, you didn't yeah. prepare for that. It, it, that yeah. requires a completely different level of communication from a defensive coordinator to the linebackers to everybody else that you're not prepared for. Exactly. And and it can create problems. Yeah, it's a, it's a great observation, right? Absolutely. All right. We're getting close here to, to the end. Let's get a few more here. Tim B says, what is the appropriate response to those folks who say any good Notre Dame did on offense was only against bad teams? I honestly think they're discounting the Ohio State game too. Offense wasn't terrible there. Well, the offense wasn't terrible there, but I also wouldn't advocate that as an example of why Jared Parker should be the offensive coordinator because at the end of the day, your job is to score points. Now, I would say they moved the ball pretty well against Ohio State, especially when you consider that the quarterback had like five or six really bad missed reads. But at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, your job is to prepare your guys to go score points. And against Ohio State, they didn't score enough points. And and so, look, there's a reason why people say that, because there is some merit to that. There is. I I don't think it's against bad teams. I mean, Notre Dame scored. I don't think USC is a bad team. They're just not a great team. And and part of the reason they became a bad team, if you want to argue that they were a bad team, is because of what Notre Dame did to them. The Notre Dame broke USC, and they flat out broke USC, in my opinion. And uh, they just were never the same team after that game. Duke, they kind of broke Duke a little bit because they were. It was such a physical game that Duke was just never healthy again after that. Yeah. You know, but but um, you know, so yeah, they haven't. NC State, though, I mean, that's a, that's a response you could give is Nuremberg scored 45 points against NC State. NC State's a pretty good football team. Uh, they're 8-3 and three right now. They're in the top 25, and, and they're doing it. Why, Ryan? Defense. I mean, they the first three wins of this, of this four-game win streak, they scored 24, 20, and 26 points. They won a game by 20 points in which they had 163 yards of offense. That means your defense is really freaking good. Well, Notre Dame scored 45 points against them and had 456 yards. The next highest yards total against them was 384. Notre Dame went for, you know, um, uh, 286 passing yards and 170 rushing yards. They've only given up more than 160 rushing yards twice this year. Notre Dame and Duke did that. So, I mean, NC State kind of counters that. USC is going to be in a bowl game. It's more so about the bad de- the, the bad defenses versus the good defenses. So I think there's some merit to that. I mean, I I wouldn't completely change up. I don't think the offenses were terrible in all the games against bad defenses. I, I don't think they were terrible against Duke. I think the line was terrible. And they missed some opportunities to finish off some drives. But um, 
you know, Louisville, they were pretty bad. And Clemson, they weren't terrible. They just didn't capitalize. They didn't, they didn't settle for too many field goals. But what did all those things have in common? They were really good defenses. That's a legitimate complaint that people have the right to have. And, and like my, my issue, Tim B and, and Ryan, I'm curious to your response to this. I don't have a problem with people looking at Jared Parker's offense this year and saying, this guy did not do a good enough job against the best defenses on their schedule or the best teams of schedule. I, I'm totally sure. fine with that. And I won't argue with you about that. My problem is when you completely dismiss what they did do against the other teams that they played, because we haven't seen another name team ever do this. You And so to me, the two mistakes you can make in my view, Ryan are number one, you only focus on, the, the the better teams and the better defenses you can over focus on that and then lose sight of hey there was still some progress made it's not good enough you're you're ultimately evaluated on how you do against the better teams and i get all that the other error you can make is to ignore that and over focus on how they blew everyone else out and say hey there's potential there you got to find some common ground right you got to be able to find some middle or middle ground excuse me and say hey listen you can't ignore the fact that Notre Dame went out there and in almost, you know, what it'd be if they if they blow out Stanford, like guys, like what nine of their 12 games were just absolute destructions. I mean, what's the closest win they're gonna have this year, Ryan? If they if they if they let's just say they only beat Stanford 31 to 10, what would be the most competitive win Notre Dame had this year? Duke. Be what the Duke game, right? Yeah. Outside of that, they won by 39. 53, 21 over a team that's currently ranked, uh, 24, 28, 51, 38, and then let's say 21 to 24 minimum against Stanford. When was the last time Notre Dame won that many games by that kind of margin? It doesn't happen often. And you can't ignore that. But you also can't put the blinders on and act like that's – what we should ultimately evaluate the offensive staff on. It needs to be a little bit of both. And if, and what I would say to people who are not, who are to, who are focusing only on that is you're not having a grown up conversation right now. You're not because a grown up conversation is talking about both of it and figuring out how and can Notre Dame take that team and make it more prominent in those games. That's the conversation we need to have. And, and, but at the same, just like if you're ignoring the other side where you ignore the bad games, only focus on the fact that they're going to average like 49 points a game in, in their other games. Like, actually, what is there? I'm going to do this math real quick, Ryan, because I want to figure this out. But that I'll, I'll respond afterwards. But that's my big thing, Ryan, is it's okay for people to say Notre Dame's offense wasn't nearly good enough against the best teams on their schedule. I think that's yeah. fair, but I don't think you should so overly focus on that that you also completely ignore the fact that this team's probably going to set the all-time scoring record and is going to have one of the five best offenses in, in Notre Dame history in yards per play unless they utterly collapse against Stanford. You can't ignore that either because that doesn't just happen because of one or two games. That happens because over the course of a year, you put up those kind of numbers. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's a very nuanced conversation because I agree that the whole resume matters. There's no doubt. I would also say that the those big games against the better defenses and better teams schedule obviously will be weighted more, right? Like I was a teacher; those 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 would be tests. Some of those other games would be quizzes, right? Like they would be weighted a little bit more and be a little bit more important. I talked about before the season, like the 
what I called the pillar games of the season. Like those were the games that mattered most to me, right? Because you have to show that you're able to win those football games or else it doesn't really matter in the end, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not going to competing for national championships. So yeah, I think that there is criticism that, that is deserved. There is a, there's also a over critical type of feeling to the Notre Dame fandom at times. Right. I mean, we talked about Al Golden last year. We talked about it. It's like, it, either people thought he did a pretty good job or they thought he did an awful job. And in reality, yeah. it was somewhere in between. It was like, it was, it was okay. It was, it was pretty good. It was solid, you know, but it needed to be better. I think we can all look at Jared Parker's season and say there was some really good. There was some not good and it needs to get better. I think we should all be able to agree with that, that right. it needs to get better. There's right. no doubt about that. Right. So looking at the numbers, Ryan, I'm just talking offensive points here, not not team points, just offensive points. Notre Dame scored 38.5 points per game in its eight wins this year. Just offensive points. That includes the Duke game. 38.5 points per game in its wins. That that and again, I'm taking away the two defensive touchdowns against Tennessee State. It was two defensive touchdowns against Tennessee State, correct? Um let me just say. Yeah, I, I could be wrong on that. I thought it was two. It could have just been one, and then it was just was one. It Cla- that Clarence Lewis pick, right? Pick yeah, six. yeah. Clarence Lewis, Lewis pick six. Yeah. Um. All right. So actually, it's actually going to be better than that because there was only one defensive touchdown that they averaged. So it's actually going to be better than that. I know they had three non-offensive touchdowns against Pitt. You had the uh, defense, two defensive ones, and then you had the punt return, correct, by Chris Tyree. Yeah. So it's actually it's 315 divided by eight. They actually averaged 39.4 points per game. Just offense, right? Not not team points per game. Right. Right. Just offensive points per game. 39.4 in their eight wins. And I think there's a pretty good chance they jump over 40 when you add the Stanford game in, awesome. right? That yep. can't be that should not be ignored because we're going to be talking about nine games. That can't be ignored, but you can't then make the opposite error of ignoring the fact that against Ohio State, against Mm -hmm. uh, Duke, against Louisville, and against Clemson, in those four games, you averaged under 20 points per game. Can't ignore that either. And so what Jared Parker's task is, we got to figure out how to do that against them. But that's a good place to be, Ryan, because it's it's like where last year's like, well, you got to figure out how to be good against everybody, <laughs> you know, and yeah. and that's something that Nuremberg's going to have to find a way to figure out answers to. Yeah. But I, yeah. I just and I, Ryan, I know you feel the same way. I just get tired of the agenda driven conversations, right, yeah. where, where we can't have an honest conversation about the offense, just like we couldn't have an honest conversation about the defense last year, because it's just like. People would jump into one camp or the other, whereas just defend it. Oh, he had this excuse, that excuse, the other excuse. It's like, stop. Stop with the excuses. And then the other side would just completely ignore the Ohio State game and say, well, yeah, but against USC, they did this. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right? Like we are, we are, we are taught to pick sides in this right. world, unfortunately. I can't stand it. And yeah. we're not going to do that here. We're going to have yeah. grown-up conversations here. And that's why there's the people in our chat are that way. That's what I love about our, our chat. 90, 99% of the people in this chat are that way. The people that don't watch that show are the people that just want to go scream angry things all the time. That's fine. <laughs> and the nice thing is there's there's a channel for that. There's channels for that. We're just, we're just not going to be that way. 
So, uh, but they got they got to get better. I, look, guys, you know the first person is going to tell you that the offense wasn't good enough this year. You know the first person is going to tell you that if we were to have honest conversations. He can't say it publicly because people use it against him. Uh, but the fir- if you were to have honest conversations, you know, if I could put like Wonder Woman's lasso of truth around the Notre Dame coaching staff, you know who the first person will tell you that the offense wasn't good enough this year? Jared Parker. Mm-hmm. Jared Parker will. You know, I, I'm, I'm confident that he's going to he's looking at this year and, and not thrilled about it and knowing it better. But he also looks at it and says, boy, but there's some really good stuff to build on, man. And we got to build on it. And that's going to be the key. Yeah, to me. Can, can I say something real quick, Brian? I saw someone just said that Michael Pratt is a done deal for the Irish. Michael Pratt is going to the NFL and has already accepted a senior bowl invite. Somebody actually so said that? Yeah. Yeah, at the bottom. Oh, let me find that. Um, I just, just want to get rid of that uh, falsity there because that is not yeah. true. Yeah. <laughs> well, because once you accept a, a senior bowl invite, you've you've guaranteed you that you're for the draft. You're, yeah. You're, you're, yeah. Yeah. Can you can you declare and go back? Can you even do that? He hasn't officially declared yet, right? He hasn't officially declared, but he accepted a senior bowl invite. So unless there's right. a last minute change of heart, he's going in the draft. So yeah. yeah. So I, I've heard people say that. I think that's just an internet rumor. I, yeah. I don't think there's any truth to that. Well, you know, what's funny like, is that it was out in the universe. Then literally like a day later, he accepted a senior bowl invite. It's like, yeah. yeah. And and what's funny is I, I, when I heard all that, I reached out to some of my sources and they're like, no, like, no, not that they wouldn't be interested in it, but everybody's known that Michael Pratt's probably going pro just like, uh, I, I don't know what board it was. Cause I didn't ask, I didn't follow up cause I didn't care. But I had a, a buddy of mine who kept telling me that the, one of the message boards, and I'm not sure which one, and this isn't a shot at the board, and this is people that run it, because this is what fans are talking about. There's one board, they were just they were dead set that Cameron Rising is coming to Notre Dame next year. Like, where where are you getting this from? You know, and like somebody on our board at when he said he was going back to Utah, they're like, What well, mark that off the list? And I'm like, what list? What <laughs> list was 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 Cameron Rising on for Notre Dame's coaches? I can assure you that Cameron Rising is the only list Cameron Rising would have been on is if hey. This is a sixth-year kid that's a veteran leader. Would he be willing to come in and groom the younger guys that who are going to start over him next year? Like Cameron Rising was not on any list, uh, but that's just it's 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 become silly season in college football, right? Like you have it in the NFL, right? Like there's yeah. silly season in the NFL. College football now has that because of the freaking portal, and, and I despise it. <laughs> and it's like, well, this guy. So apparently next year Notre Dame is is a lock on their roster to have Michael Pratt, Cameron Rising and Riley Leonard, and if Drake May decides to knock the NFL, he's going to be on the roster next year, too, at quarterback. <laughs> They're going to have the greatest quarterback roster in the history of mankind, apparently, because of all the guys. And and and, uh, and Keela, I'm not talking about you, per se. It's just some of the stuff that I'm hearing from different people about other people. I think Michael Pratt, to me, it would, would have been more realistic than Cameron yeah. Rising and, and Drake May and some of these other names I've heard, uh, just because – you know, group of five going to know, you know, place like Notre Dame would have made some sense. But like you said, Ryan, he took the senior bowl invite and, and, yep. and not just accepted it, but like they did like a whole release thing. Like he was a part of, yeah. like he, he, was, he was the first, he was the first player to receive a right. senior bowl invite and he accepted it. And then also right. that rumor was there that he was potentially going to transfer. And he literally quote tweeted was like, well, this isn't true or something like that. Right. Like he's shallow right. down immediately. Well, Why would he so. do that? If he, if he, you know, he, he knows he's going to get hammered. If he goes back on that. So yeah, it just, a lot of the stuff is just internet rumors. There's these fake accounts of people that hide behind. It's not their real name. And they sources tell me this. I'm like, I don't know what source told you that, but I can assure you it's nobody at Notre Dame. I can promise (laughs) you that. 
And remember all the guys that were going to transfer in last year. They're going to get this guy, that guy. Just so much of it's just BS, people. It really is. Um, but, uh, yeah, Michael Michael Pratt's not coming there today. Hey, Jason Smith, does Coach Marcus Freeman making tweaks to the preparation and travel schedule kind of point to him noticing some issues and how they've reformed on the road? Didn't he adjust for Ireland? They looked good versus Navy. Yeah. he he. Now, in, in this case, they're actually leaving a little later than they had before. Yeah. Um, they were leaving like on Thursday night. And I think that was a little bit of overthinking it. You know what I mean? Uh, and especially with all the night games, I can understand if you got a noon kickoff, considering maybe leaving Thursday night. So you can kind of get up and have a morning walk through at the place on Friday for, for a noon game the next day. But when you're playing on these night games, there's no reason to leave on a Thursday, just get up, have breakfast and then leave and go Friday. But, uh, no, look, Marcus Freeman, like, here's my questions about Marcus Freeman, Jason. Will he find the right answers? That is something that I think after two years in a team that, let's say they win this weekend, is going to be 18 and 7. The ability to find the right answers personnel-wise, coaching-wise, things that he does, it's a fair question to ask, will he find the right answers? One thing that I respect a lot about Marcus Freeman is he's stubborn, but he's not, he's not, well, stubborn, he's not stuck. He is, he is, he does things with conviction, but he's not too stubborn to look at what they did and say that wasn't, wasn't right, but also not like a waving in the wind that every time things don't go perfectly, he's like, let's throw everything out and make a change. Right. Like right. it usually takes something really bad happening, which is how it should be. I mean, just, well, we only beat Duke by seven. Let's change everything we did. You know, no, right. that's not the right reaction. But you still also need to be able to look in the mirror and say, was there something that led to that? Sometimes you're like, no, we just had a bad game. Uh, sometimes it's like, you know, like so, like when I would get worried as a coach, Ryan, is when you had a bad week of preparation and played bad in the game. Like, sure. what was going on this week? But sometimes yeah. you'll you'll look at a game like, what was it? What was the game Dabo lost? Was it this year? No, it was a Notre Dame game last year. He's like, guys, I'm look, I'm just telling you. We had a great week of preparation. Like, this is as good a week. They just kicked our butts. Sometimes that happens. This kicked our butts, right? We gotta we gotta answer the bell physically and 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 do better. But even then, look at what Clemson's done on defense this year. They've kind of married a little bit of what they did before with the aggressive stuff with what they did last year, which is just playing base defense, right? Jim Knowles made adjustments right to what he did last year so marcus freeman has absolutely shown a willingness to adjust if it's if it's definitely like a yeah this ain't right right but he's not just someone who's constantly tweaking it every freaking week because that's where you can lose your team like this guy doesn't have any core convictions because every time something doesn't go perfectly we just change everything sometimes you just play bad sometimes you just prepared bad and overall your plan is fine you just didn't implement a good one this week and you didn't you didn't prepare and 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 you've got to know the difference and I believe Coach Freeman has 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 shown a willingness to to change if it gets to the point where it's like, okay, this is embarrassing, like, or this was bad, or we can't win this way. And sometimes it takes a, a really bad loss, you know, mm-hmm. to do that. I mean, Marcus Freeman lost to Stanford in his first year. That's terrible. Nick Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe his first year. It happens. You just make sure it doesn't happen again. And that part has not happened since Stanford. I mean, Notre Dame has not lost to a bat. The worst team Notre Dame has lost to 
since losing to Stanford is Clemson. Yeah. That's the worst team Notre Dame has lost to since then. They lost to three top 10 football teams in Clemson. That's who they've lost to. So that part he's adjusted. Now you got to figure out a way to win the big ones. I think that's the, that's the next big key. And we'll find out if he can find those answers. So I don't know he's going to find those answers, Ryan. But, but I, do, I do like the fact that he shows a willingness to adjust. And I think, I think Jason, it's a good observation by Jason there on that one. It, it is. I, the only thing I would add is that, Jason, I wouldn't really use Ireland as an example, though, because it's not a true road game, right? Like both teams are traveling and experience yeah. the same type of thing. So there's no home field advantage, yeah. right? There's no home turf advantage. So that's probably not yeah. the best example of a game. Yeah. To use. Well, and it's also, it's so far away. It's just yeah. a different type of road game. It's first game of the year. Yeah. I don't think they were in school yet. I don't believe Probably so. It, it, there's a lot of different things about that. I, I, I get the point Jason's making in regard to, hey, we did it this way last time, but we're going to change it up and do a little bit. Th- I mean, I get that, but to your point, that doesn't tell the same story about why they haven't played well at Louisville, at Duke, at Clemson, because like you said, Ryan, true road game. I mean, that was basically a home game for Notre Dame. When you look at the fans yeah. and how they were treated and all that, they bo- and, and to your point, Ryan, they both had to travel. Exactly. So it's just a different animal. Notre Dame in Ireland yeah. as well. Like yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's, it's a different animal. But I, I get the I get the point you're trying to make. Uh, yeah. but yeah, now now we just gotta find out can he find the right answers? That's the fa- that's the question now. Can he find the right answers? Do I think Marcus Freeman's happy with what happened on offense this year? I know for a fact he isn't. Hundred percent certainty he's not happy about it. I don't think he b- has the same blames that maybe fans do, or and he's not gonna have the same reactions that fans do. But he's not happy about it. Now the question is, Ryan, can he find the right answers? That that remains to be seen. That's a great that question. remains to be seen. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Roberts, my friend, that is going to do it for today's All right. show. Well, we appreciate everybody for stopping in. Again, if you missed the beginning of this podcast, we talked to Notre Dame for Stanford, game predictions, keys to victory, both offensively and defensively. We gave our scores. We gave some storylines and some headlines to keep an eye out for. We also Throw out some game balls. And we even threw in, what if it doesn't go the way we're predicting, right? Like, what would be the main circumstances that you'd have to work through there? And, of course, we hit this mailbag here at the end. Before you leave, though, hit that like button. Subscribe to the podcast. Hit that notification bell. If you're listening to me and Brian on your favorite podcast platform, whether it's Spotify, Apple, or whatever, five-star reviews are always very much appreciated. Boards.eversbreakdown.com for your latest recruiting and team intel. The website is very free, so you can go to irishbreakdown.com and read the read the website over there as well. That's Brian Driscoll. I'm Ryan Roberts. We'll be back tomorrow, live streaming the game and a little bit of a post game conversation reaction about it. Game. Reaction yeah. show. Yeah. Make sure you hit that notification bell again. We'll talk to you again very shortly here again on the Irish Breakdown Podcast.